0: Welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. And it's not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner that said let's get into today's episode hello everyone welcome back to the podcast i have a solo episode today doing your guys's questions i'm going to be answering them so a q a feel like we've not done one of these in a long time i used to do them quite frequently at the end maybe it was the end of last year I would go on Instagram live and then I would use the replays to put on the podcast so if you want more Q&As I do have an Instagram highlight with a ton of them sometimes I answer them in written form but today I just felt like doing a Q&A so I gathered a few from you on Instagram and we have a range of subjects we've got thyroid stuff we've got A lot of people feeling overwhelmed with the health and the hormones, people asking about lab testing, genetic testing, thyroid testing, liver health, gut health. So I'm excited to dive in. But just for a little life update, just while it's been a while since I've brought you in the loop, not that much is happening at the moment, just having a great time. I feel like I have been really into personal development again. This was a huge passion of mine for years I think even before the health stuff or maybe when the health stuff started just to support myself emotionally I got really into the personal development world Tony Robbins Mel Robbins um manifestation babe all of those all of those amazing practitioners and now I'm just right back in there and I obviously finished up my yes Supply training so I'm a certified life coach now EFT practitioner hypnosis practitioner and I'm just so happy to have more resources and tools under my belt to help you guys so if I have a more of a a mindset energetic spin on some of these questions too rather than just the physical nutrition diet lifestyle then that's going to be why that is a very big focus of my life at the moment and then in terms of work stuff so in the new year we're going to have reprogram my group coaching program back again This time, instead of a six-week program, it's going to be a three-month program and just for a slight price increase as well. So instead of having my support for six weeks, I just felt like a longer period of time is just going to be even more beneficial. So if you're interested in that. And you heard me talk about it this month, then definitely keep your eyes peeled. There will be a limited number of spaces again, just because you'll get a one to one session with me. So I want to make sure that I can fit you all in my calendar. And then in early 2024, I can't believe we're, we're almost there, insane. But I'm going to be launching I'm Balanced again, my mineral balancing program. So with that, you get a mineral test and also you learn how to understand the results so you learn what your unique mineral imbalances are and then what you can do to balance things naturally and the different factors that affect mineral results things like heavy metals things like stress there's so much information on there and i've had such good feedback over the has it been it's been the third round so this will be the fourth round coming up so you've got that to look forward to and the one-to-one still the same root cause relief six months of support so if you want that one-to-one custom package from me the protocols the lab testing then that is going to be your goal too and probably a few other things i really want to do a a meetup or a ret- like a day retreat or a workshop event something next year in manchester so i would love to hear if that's something that you're interested in as well i have done little talks in the past as part of my college like i would do talks on skin health and gut health and i just love meeting people In person so this is going to be the perfect opportunity and probably will be a blend of the physical stuff and the mental emotional spiritual and just to get a chance to meet the listeners some of my clients too so I will definitely keep you posted when there's more plans for that because now it's just a thought but I'm hoping it becomes a reality it becomes a manifestation that is the goal and in life doing pretty well so I'm recording this in October, but it's going to be released in November. So I might actually be um, just coming back from London or going to London soon. I'm going on the 17th of November for my boyfriend, Luke. His 30th is three days before Christmas. So definitely not going to be in London during that time. So I've booked us a little weekend trip away just to go and explore and eat good food and drink really nice matcha. (laughs) So you'll probably be seeing some content from London on your Instagram and social media coming soon. And I think that's everything. I'm enjoying auntie life at the moment. My little niece, Winnie, she's three months, just over three months old now, maybe four months at this stage. And I'm just obsessed with her. I think about it all the time. And I just want to spend all of my time with her. And I love nurturing her and can't wait till I can babysit. And she's just doing really well and definitely making me broody, but I need to need to wait. I need to be patient because I'm not ready for that just yet. I definitely want kids in my 30s. I want two kids at some point. But yeah, I wanna wanna just have more time because the first part of my twenties was all very focused on healing and health stuff. So now that my health is better, I want to be able to live my life a little bit more and have a bit more freedom before I become a mum. But yeah, that's a little bit of a tangent. I know you were asking for that. You're like, come on, we need the questions. We need answers. So let's get into them today. So the first question is how to support an underactive thyroid when your GP is refusing to help. They said that the TSH was not bad enough. That is just typical, horrible advice. They are literally just waiting until you develop full-blown hypothyroidism. Until you got to the point where you need a medication in order to function to get out of bed, they wait until your TSH. It honestly depends on the clinic, the country, but sometimes it's a four, a five, a six. At that point, your thyroid is pretty damaged, pretty sluggish. You're going to need a medication most likely. Um, there's probably some sort of autoimmune thyroid going on because that's the main cause of hypothyroidism. Is these antibodies that are elevated and attack the thyroid gland? They don't directly attack the Tharagon on purpose. It's more of a misfiring. So with any autoimmune, but spe- especially Hashimoto's, which is the thyroid autoimmune, there's something else deeper going on your body. An immune system is going a little bit crazy, trying to fight something else, whether that's a parasite or there's just major stress in the body or you're eating gluten and you're sensitive to it. These can all be drivers of Hashimoto's. And then over time, the thyroid gun gets in the way of the, the shots being fired, the thyroid gun starts to get damaged, and that's when someone develops hypothyroidism. But by that point, it's probably been going on for a long while. So with them saying it's not bad enough, I think you just have to um, keep pushing sometimes, but then there also comes a point where you're just like, that's it, I'm just going to use the doctors for emergencies or for a diagnosis, and then once I've got the diagnosis, I will take that information and try to find solutions naturally that's still something that i would do so if i'm not sure like with clients if the skin rash is eczema or psoriasis or ringworm or fungal i tell them to go to the dermatologist but they don't have to necessarily follow the guidelines and the recommendations that they're given we then would know what to do whether it's a fungal in nature so we'd go down the fungal roots whether it's bacterial whether it's autoimmune so i think with this case you just need to accept what they're saying if you've pushed and you've tried and you've you've asked to be referred and all of that there are private lab tests that you can do as well so if you're in the uk there's a company called medichex you can order your own thyroid panel And the the reference ranges on there still aren't great. So they might also say that your results are normal or not flag it as being a problem. But I might say that it is actually quite elevated and needs to be needs to be better, needs to be lower or higher, whatever the marker is. So you you can do private testing and that's just blood work. There's so many other lab tests that can actually help you to figure out the root cause of the thyroid issue too. So you can do stool testing, urine testing, hormone testing. Her mineral testing, so my course, I'm balanced, could be a good option for this person when it opens again in the new year. Because it's all well and good if you've got the answers. If you see on the blood report that your T3 is low, your TSH is high, but that's still not telling you what the cause is. So I think you need to, with any symptom as well, this do- doesn't just apply to thyroid issues, you need to start investigating and going back through your health timeline to figure out, what could have contributed to this have you gone through stress at some point in the recent past most likely yes and stress is this broad category so it could be emotional stress it could be financial it could be physical it could be um spiritual stress like you're having some sort of crisis where you're unsure of your path or maybe you've just had kids it could be anything like that you've had an illness You want to go back and maybe create a timeline. I get some of my clients to do this from, and I go through it with the one-to-ones, but going back over the years and really paying attention to what's been going on in your health. So if all through childhood, you've had stomach aches and constipation or gassiness, or you had a really nervous, anxious stomach, then maybe gut health is going to be involved. If you had a lot of ear infections, chest infections, maybe it's more like, inflammation infections immune system that's involved in. this is going to be the case for most people actually there's always going to be a gut an immune aspect because they are the same thing and our body doesn't just work in isolation so if there's a thyroid issue there's probably going to be a hormone sex hormone problem a brain symptom a skin symptom a, a hormonal like period symptom so with the thyroid stuff you want to investigate further so you know your body and your health history better than anyone so go back and really understand what's going on i share so many tips and resources and podcast episodes on the basic things so make sure your stress management is in check we we don't avoid stress we can't avoid stress but we can control our reactions our perceptions of stress we can change our mindset we can work on our mindset and do things like gratitude and meditation and journaling or we can support our body physically in terms of blood sugar regulation making sure we're getting good quality sleep making sure that we're spending more time outdoors in nature and we're not glued to our phones and having that blue light as the first thing that we see in the morning so there are so many things that you could be doing make sure you're covering all of those foundational things get some additional labs done if you need to working with a practitioner is only going to speed up this too because if you're also trying to work and look after your home and you raising a family and you're trying to fix your health issues there's already so much on your plate so sometimes off loading that and giving that responsibility to someone else you will be involved in that hopefully you will understand what's happening and it will be a team effort but having a practitioner in your corner is one of the best things if you can have access to that and yeah, act now don't just follow what the doctors are saying and waiting until you're really struggling. It's good that you are like doing the testing, but just know that you can nip it in the bud and hopefully prevent worsening thyroid issues down the line. So do the basic things too. Um, go through my content if you need to get more answers, more understanding. But there are there is so much that can be done. And nine out of ten cases is this autoimmune. Reaction. So, if you haven't had your antibodies tested, then you you can also do that privately. But if you're asking for support anyway from the doctor, the only thing that they're going to do is give you medication. And if they're saying that you're not bad enough, bad enough for medication, then that's kind of a good thing. It it could be that you're in the early stages and the thyroid gland isn't fully destroyed just yet. So maybe herbal medicines and nutrients and mineral balancing is the best thing for you maybe it's a blessing that the doctors aren't cooperating with you at the moment because you can then go into this more holistic world and treat it naturally because when you're on a medication it doesn't really fix the problem either it just maybe makes your lab numbers look a little bit better at best but some people do actually feel worse and end up with other conditions because maybe the thyroid looks more managed but that underlying inflammation and stress hadn't been resolved so they develop other autoimmune conditions down the line or a lot of joint pain side effects from the medication it's a it's something that's best avoided if possible but there is a time and a place for medication. Next question tips to improve fertility when still breastfeeding so she has a nearly two year old so when you're when you're postpartum um and that whole like you're going to be postpartum forever like when you're a mom your body isn't the same so much has changed during the pregnancy you you lose a lot of things like minerals and it can affect things like your hormones and your metabolism not all in a negative way either so I would just want to put that little respin on it But there are a lot of things that you can do, starting with nourishment of yourself. So you really need to make sure that you're prioritizing your own health, making sure you're eating enough food, eating regularly, because breastfeeding, you actually need more calories and nutrients and energy during breastfeeding than you do during pregnancy, which is interesting because if you're making all of this milk, especially in the first few months, but even a year or two later... And good on you by the way for still breastfeeding two years um into it because I know how difficult it can be and time consuming, but it really is worth it if you have the ability to breastfeed for that long and your child is gonna be benefiting in so many ways. So I think the the overview is coming back to nourishment and prioritizing those really nutrient-dense, mainly animal products, offal organ meats. Um, seafood dairy fish having enough protein if you want to track your food for a few days just to make sure you're eating enough and you might not need to do anything in particular if you were if you're feeling healthy enough now if you're generally taking care of yourself there may not be anything specific that you need to do but I'm assuming that you're struggling in some ways or maybe struggled with your first pregnancy so you're just assuming that you might struggle again um, there's certain nutrients like choline which is found in egg yolks offal, some supplements as well some of the good prenatals like seeking health contain folate, choline in there the other one is folate and um, also known as vitamin b9 you can test before you just supplement because you might not actually need it but i always think if unless you're super sensitive and know that you have issues with um over methylation or anything like that then you might just not want to supplement with methylfolate, but I think if you're unsure what your genetic status is or you've had fertility stuff in the past or you do okay with supplements, then you might want to add in a methylfolate because any excess that you don't use, you just urinate out. And this is one that's been shown um over and over again to to help with fertility. But I would take it as a complex, not just a methylfolate on its own. Um, so you can take a methylated B complex. And then I would definitely check your minerals and make sure their response is possible because that's a pregnancy is a key time and postpartum that your minerals do get depleted because your baby requires a ton of minerals for growth and development so they will be robbed from you at the expense of your body for the protection and safety of your child so a mineral test could be really good and then you would tweak from there based on what's needed there's no general pattern that I see postpartum it can really depend on what your health was like going into pregnancy what your current like symptoms are so I don't want to just say oh yeah everyone needs more zinc postpartum because you might not need to so the the course again is coming out in January or February that could be a really good option for you to consider and just looking after yourself as much as possible uh, acting as if no I say this with pregnant clients for the first time, you want to start acting as if you're you've got your baby, or before you even fall pregnant, act as if you're pregnant now. So maybe start if you're looking to conceive in the next year, start acting now, like you would do if you had two children. Would you be resting more? Would you be asking for more help? Would you be getting more organized with certain things, your food shops, your childcare, just having things in place, I think that takes the stress and the pressure off you because if you fell pregnant next month, then you you will probably be in a bit of a panic if you've got none of that prepared so I don't think you need to plan too much and be too rigid and controlled because I think you'll you'll be absolutely fine if you trust the process and just look after yourself in all of the ways that you know how and that I talk about I think you'll be absolutely fine but if you want to do some lab testing before just to be really sure what's going on maybe some basic blood work looking at your folate your b12 your iron your vitamin d your thyroid definitely postpartum and then a a mineral test to check on things like zinc and selenium and yeah i think it's all about rebuilding we don't want to necessarily do anything too detoxy and cleansing because that can sometimes leave you a little bit more depleted so the goal is to just build yourself up and yeah nourishment again number three is so how do you is how do you keep yourself from getting overwhelmed by all the things that you should do for your health hmm i definitely felt like that more in the past these days i really feel like i have improved in this area because i know so much about health now I, i feel like i know a lot um but in the grand scheme of things it's still not everything like i'd probably know about one percent of everything that is out there and things are constantly evolving and changing so I have just learned that things aren't gonna be the same things change new research and science comes out my body changes as well so what works for me now or what worked for me five years ago isn't necessarily going to work in the future and some of the things that I learned even at college turns out now to be a bit outdated or not true or not applicable to my body so after just All of these years now on my health journey, I have just realized that I just need to listen to my body and stop taking in so much information of people telling me that I should be doing this or need to be doing that because I just have to do the basic things that I know work for my body. And if I do that and I'm feeling good, that's all I need to do. I don't need to keep doing more and more. I don't need to keep researching and getting obsessed with these new things that are coming out unless you just want to try it there's it's okay to be like experimental and a bit of a guinea pig if that's something that you love i'm not going to take that away from you but there's also the other camp where you just get so overwhelmed it becomes paralyzing and you get analysis paralysis where you just are so disconnected from your body you're just listening to everyone else other than your intuition you're looking at these experts called experts online and they're just giving these blanket statements and blanket recommendations that aren't even customized to your body so if you you try them and they don't work it doesn't mean that you just keep trying harder and harder or adding the next thing in. sometimes it's getting back to basics and really looking at what's helped you the most what do you feel the biggest difference with in your routine and your supplements and just crowding out and droning out the noise a little bit more stop listening to so many podcasts like if you want to listen to this one amazing I would love that (laughs) love for you to continue supporting this show that way but at some point in my health journey I just I had to stop all of that because my brain was getting so overwhelmed and I was still actively in that healing phase where I was just desperate to get better whereas now I can listen to these shows again and read books on health but it's not as obsessive, obsessive as it used to be. Um, there was a period of time where I just had to like block it out, unfollow people, not listen to podcasts on health and detox. I would just listen to comedy shows or like dating podcasts, or I would read fiction books. God forbid. I, I wasn't doing something to like learn right before bed, but that actually really helped me. So I just think it was. A mindset shifting me through experience and um, maybe you'll get there maybe what I've just said is enough to help you and give you permission if, if it has to be that way for you to to not feel that way and not compare yourself or beat yourself up that you're not doing enough but it could also be that you need that moment of right enough I need to change I can't keep doing this so it depends Next question is why I think why is my prolactin and glamour gamma GT, which is a liver enzyme, still elevated high if I'm doing everything to help my thyroid, gut, and liver? So I don't think you're doing everything because that's a lot of things, and you might have been on the right track, but it might just not been enough time. These things take time to undo years, sometimes decades of imbalances. So that's point number 1 it may just be that you are on the right track you're doing the good things but you just need to be patient and keep doing them it could also be that you are missing something there's so many nuances when it comes to healing the gut or detoxing the liver if you're just throwing gut healing or liver detoxing supplements at it like milk thistle you're using um like bone broth and collagen powders and L glutamine to heal your gut that's not really gut healing so if someone has like a different practitioner is giving you a plan and they're like, this is going to heal your gut, this is going to detox your liver, but all you're doing is dandelion tea and milk thistle capsules, that's not enough. So for for me, healing the gut is looking at the different overgrowths and infections and imbalances that are in there, reducing the load using things like antimicrobials. This t- is a several several month process. Then going in and healing the gut, resealing the lining, using anti-inflammatories using prebiotics to support the growth of the good bacteria so if that's not what you've done then i wouldn't say that you've healed your gut same with the liver if you're just throwing supplements and herbal teas and formulas and tinctures at it but you haven't actually looked at why is your liver so overwhelmed is, is there too many toxins going into it Are you mineral deficient? You need minerals to support your liver detoxification. Are you eating enough protein? Because that fuels phase two liver detoxification. Um, Have you looked at environmental toxins? The gut can also have a knock on effect on the liver. So maybe you've done things in the wrong order. Maybe you've started with the liver detox and then tried to work on the gut, when in fact they can be done simultaneously, but there's a lot of toxic waste products that come from the gut that can overwhelm the liver. So if you've just started to flush the liver, but the gut is the ultimate problem, then that might be why you're still having issues. And there is a connection with thyroid, um, with the elevated liver enzymes, um, elevated prolactin. But you, I think you need to go back a step further. So why is the gut off? Why is the liver off? Why is the thyroid off? They are all interconnected too. So I understand that it gets a little bit confusing, but I would be thinking things like your metabolic health. So you're on the right lines with thyroid, but going even before that, what's going on with your blood sugar? What's going on with your insulin? Because if those are high, you're going to end up with high blood sugar, high insulin. That's going to this overflow, this excess is gonna is gonna to start to infiltrate the liver and start to contribute to fatty liver, liver enzymes being elevated, that can cause a lot of inflammation in the body, that can affect your thyroid and ha- increase your prolactin level. I'd also be looking at your stress levels. So stress can affect the gut, it can reduce the levels of good bacteria, increase the levels of bad bacteria and yeast. It can slow down gut motility. Um, Stress can also block the liver from detoxing. A lot of emotions and anger can live within these organs as well. So that's why I'm thinking of more... If if you've really done a lot of the physical stuff, you've cleaned up your diet, but this is different for everyone because if cleaning up your diet to you looks like a vegan diet or a carnivore diet, I might not necessarily think that that's cleaning up your diet. So there could be so many other things within those categories that you haven't yet explored even with the blood sugar thing it comes down to more than just your carbohydrate intake it's about your meal timings it's about your muscle mass it's about your stress again because you you could have these blood sugar spikes and insulin spikes from mental emotional stress not expressing your emotions properly so they would be my top two things i think you need to look at your blood sugar your insulin um, and i have recent information of that on my on my um podcast but also my instagram so i did a reel on how i support my metabolic health it could be worth unless you get triggered by numbers and um like calories and all of that it could be worth tracking your blood sugar with a cgm a continuous glucose monitor and seeing what's going on for a couple of weeks um and that will give you some insight because if you're just doing a fasted glucose at your doctor um, randomly then that might not show the full picture whereas if you start to see you're getting these spikes and crashes after eating then that's the that's the problem you want to work on that that's going to look different to everyone because it could be that you need more protein less carbs more more fat more fiber i don't know but there's some general things that can help i did a reel on that so walking after meals you can do a little bit of apple cider vinegar before your food and water you can eat your protein first at meal times instead of just all of the potatoes and the carbohydrates first because you love them and then with the stress side of things i would definitely be looking into that at that stage in the health journey when someone has not done everything because that's not realist that's not the truth But when you've done a lot, and you're cleaning up environmental toxins, and you're moving your body, and you're eating a blood sugar regulated diet, and you've honestly like tried all of that, you're sleeping well, because that's involved in all of these symptoms too, then it probably is coming down to some sort of stress, trauma, limiting beliefs about healing or your body, or um, thyroid issues running my family and I'm always going to have health issues. My body's really sensitive. My body's broken. It could come down to that level. So they would be my thoughts if if you've done all of the other things that I mentioned at the start. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores. Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs, and if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of Reishi Mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers, such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, all suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, Luratia can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics. The regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Next question, how to deal with moldy buildings? Example, if the doctor doctors that you go to is moldy, do you have to find a different one? no not necessarily it might be that you are still in your healing phase and when you do get re-exposed to mold it triggers your immune system a lot so you need to stay away from or limit your exposure and time in some of those places that happened to me so I'd lived in that house that I was sick in for 20 years because that was my childhood home but it wasn't until the last few years that I started to get sick so that just shows it's not just the house it's all of the other things that started to happen in my life that tipped like it was the straw that brought the camels back at that point So the fact that I went on birth control pills the fact that I stressed my body out with over exercise dieting I was drinking alcohol every weekend I was eating junk food all of those things then meant that the mold became a problem so then when I moved out of that place and I was very sick towards the end of that the stay there that was 2020 I moved into my Um, previous apartment that's where I ultimately healed and um, I did a lot of like recovery in that place but for the first few months I'd say the first definitely three months but maybe six months I really tried to limit my exposure to mold so I was a bit of a hermit honestly and I maybe at the three four month mark actually went to go to a PT session And this was in a local building and it was a basement and it was so moldy i could see mold visibly with my eyes and i tried to not let it stress me i was just focused on the workout and i obviously i honestly wasn't worrying that much i just felt uncomfortable and i really didn't like the smell and i felt like it was doing something to my body but then afterwards i did have a big crash um, who knows how much of that was psychologically brought on, brought on by my my worrying, my at that point fears around mold, but it was also having an effect on my my immune system and my my nervous system. And I had such low mood, I had um can't remember like headaches, I felt really weak and dizzy afterwards. So it, it, it can affect you, but we can't just avoid it forever and not live our life. We have to Go to the doctor's office sometimes, and we have to um, visit our family's house. And during that time, I really tried to not go back to my family home because they hadn't remediated or done anything at that point. But I asked them to come around to-, to my place instead, um, or we'd meet outside somewhere and do something as a family. And I could actually smell the mold on the clothes for those first few months because my my sensitivity became even more heightened because uh it's like what happened with if you go gluten-free sometimes people swear they don't have an issue with gluten they eat every day because they don't get any bloating or reactions or they they think they don't they don't have anything obvious but they just don't feel well in general so then when they clean up their diet and they cut out gluten completely for a few weeks they then notice a lot more when they've had the gluten. So they start having like really bad stomach pains or they feel really sick and bloated after having it. And they they blame going gluten-free for that. They they say they like, oh, I developed a sensitivity when I cut it out. I should never have cut it out. That's not the case. It's that you are always sensitive. Your body is just showing you way more obviously that that wasn't a good food for you. And it's the same with mold. Sometimes when you've had a break and you move out or... You start remediating and then you get exposed. Sometimes it can feel like you're having a more exaggerated response, but it's just that you can see that more obviously. And you probably are getting better. You probably are healthier, but it's just that your body is trying to tell you to limit your exposure as much as possible. So if you can limit it and there is a different doctor's office or gym nearby or library or Your family can come to your house instead of you going to theirs. Anything like that, just do the things that you can. But also there comes a point where the limbic system rewiring and the mindset work is more effective and it's actually the priority because you can't just live your life in fear and never go out your home again because we are meant to be exposed to some mold every now and again. And I'm not talking about a building that's got black mold and mushrooms going at the walls like i wouldn't want to go into there that, and that's not h- helpful or that's not safe for people's health but if it's just that you suspect there's mold or there's like a little patch on the ceiling i see it everywhere now like i'll go to the shopping center and i'll see patches of mold on the ceiling but that doesn't mean that i don't go in there and that i don't buy clothes from there in case there's mold because Otherwise, you're you're never going to be able to live your life. If I order a sofa and I'm stressing about whether the the warehouse that it was stored in is moldy, like what am I going to do? I can't I can't micromanage and control every little thing and exposure in my life, and I really have to work on that because I have some control issues just in general, um, that do stem back from my health journey. I feel, but I feel like you. You'll just have to play it by ear and just see. See if you can challenge yourself a little bit. Don't put yourself in a huge floor or an obviously like dangerous building if you can avoid it. But then it might also be that pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is going to provide you benefits in other ways. So me, eventually going like because at Christmas my my mum hosts Christmas um, or has them like. Up until now, like I want to host it this year. Um, but me going that Christmas, so in 2020, I went around to those on Christmas Day, and I was a little bit unsure because it was like at the six-month mark from when I'd moved. I didn't want to. I hadn't spent several hours there. I'd just done like a pop in and out visit every now and again. But I spent the whole day there, and me doing that allowed me to challenge myself, prove to myself that I was safe. Everything's fine. I got so many more benefits in return because I spent time with my family. I had a nice meal. I had the best day ever. And over time, I just thought less and less about the mold. And it actually didn't affect my body then because I was healing and supporting myself in so many ways. A lot of the mindset work too. So I hope that helps. It's the same with houses. There are people who do need to move um, and Or remediate and really work on the air quality and get dehumidifiers and filters and um, maybe stay in a temporary location. If they're really sick and struggling, sometimes you do need that break just to let the body recalibrate. But then there's also people who are living in mold and maybe it's not visible, but they've done testing, they've found it in their body or their house. But those people might actually do better with yes getting earth filters and dehumidifiers just because that's good for everyone and optimal health and many more environmental toxins than just mold but those people might actually do better with more of the mindset work so really working on that fear around mold the control issue the uh, the belief that their body is broken and it's always going to be sensitive and reactive because of their genes or their family history or the fact that they've had health issues for 10 years. So I feel like you're going to know which camp you're in after listening to this. Next question, just to kind of tie into that one, because someone's asking, What do I think about genetic testing, especially to inform you what to eat and supplement? I'm not a huge fan. I think I went through a phase a few years ago. I think it might have been when I was at college or for the years after. Where genetic testing was becoming a big thing. And there were these companies that would do gene testing or reports that would tell you, like, you do better with this type of exercise, these supplements, you have these genetic SNPs, which is a mutation. So, this is what you need to do. And for some people, it helps, but we have to remember that genes aren't our destiny. And I've worked with people before with. Really, when I was doing more gene testing or I've done training in analyzing, so I'll always look at someone's genetic report if they send it to me and they they bring it up in conversation. I'll be aware of it because I think it is important and it can be helpful, but I don't think it's enough because some of the, the sickest people that I've worked with have actually had okay genetics or I find that people have like similar genetics with detox or methylation, they just common over and over again. But then I have people who are pretty healthy and they have like really, they have a ton of genetic mutations and they're absolutely fine. And this is because our genes can be turned on or turned off. And sometimes you might have um, okay genetics so no mutations, but still your body isn't functioning optimally because things aren't on things are getting in the way. So toxins are interfering. We have nutrient deficiencies. So even though we've got two sets of good genes, they still can't work properly because you don't have the cofactors and the minerals and the enzymes to do that. Or you could still be massively stressed and that's going to impact your health regardless of your genetics. And then there's the other case where people have um, a ton of genetic SNPs, a ton of genetic mutations, but they're taking care of their cells. They're supporting those mutations or it's like if, if there's a traffic jam, if one lane is broke, your body is going to find an alternative route that's clear. Um, so your body is very adaptable and very wise and smarter than we'll ever know and comprehend. So I think just to be so clinical and say this is my these are my genes, which is just a blueprint. It's not actually what's happening. Um, just taking that on its own without without looking at the body deeper and seeing what's going on with your detoxification or your mitochondria or your methylations, i'd rather someone do those other tests if they're symptomatic than do a gene test because that's not that's telling me a possible a possible outcome whereas the other one is telling me what is actually happening in the body so i can test someone's genes for detox and say yes they have quote bad genes or quote good genes but the real valuable information would be instead listening to someone's symptoms. Are they displaying symptoms of poor detoxification? Are they having constipation? Are they not able to sweat? Do they have bad body odor? Do they have skin rashes? That tells me that they have detoxification issues. Do they improve when we support their detoxification? Do they get better? Or do we want to test for detoxification if we're not sure? If we're not sure if the acne is coming from a detox problem or a testosterone problem can we test and see exactly what's going on i would rather do that than test the genes there's a very common and good saying in the functional medicine world is that genetics load the gun but it's your environment that ultimately pulls the trigger so these people making drastic life decisions to have a mastectomy or have a hysterectomy because they have a history of breast cancer, ovarian cancer in their family is pretty ludicrous to me because with things like cancer only five to ten percent of cancer is actually genetic and even with those that doesn't mean that you're definitely going to get it. Your environment is still the main thing that affects it so it's more likely with that case of breast cancer that it's lifestyle habits and physiological imbalances that have been passed down. Maybe thyroid issue has been passed down. Estrogen dominance has been passed down. Maybe you all were similar beauty products or all live in a similar area that's exposed to a chemical, or maybe you all eat in the same way. So you all struggle with your weight or your gut. Maybe that's the driver instead of your genes. There are genetic conditions out there. I think the one that we learned at school is is Huntington's disease. Like if you've got the genes for that, you're going to get the condition. Whereas something like the genes for cancer, the genes for obesity, I don't think that's the full picture. I think we we can pay attention to it. And if we know that we have a family history or a strong predisposition to something, be mindful of that and do lab testing every year and really stay on top of certain things. Maybe you want to test your estrogen, make sure it's detoxifying in a healthy way. Maybe take care of yourself in the best ways possible and maybe do a um, thermograph instead of a mammogram every year just to see what's going on. Um, but just to take those drastic measures and just whip out these organs and have these surgeries and interventions that are really serious and can cause more health issues as a result i think that's that needs to be the the last step if you're going to do that you want to rule out in, rule or out all of these other things first and that should be in my opinion your last resort Next question What to do for a salicylate intolerance to food, please? I had the same thing. So I had multiple, multiple food sensitivities. At one point, I was down to about 10 foods. One of them was Swede, the other one was squash. And now, with it being like root vegetable season, I always just remember that time where that was my diet like 24 7. I've shared this story before, but I used to go to this organic grocery store. If you're from like near Manchester, it's the Unicorn Grocery in Charlton. I love it there and I wish I could go back more, but it's just a bit of a a trek to get to now. But they have some like really amazing veg and I just used to live off the squash because they'd have all different types and I was never sensitive to the squash. So I'd have that breakfast, lunch and dinner with some sort of meat. But I totally understand the food sensitivity piece of it—it it is real it can affect you and we have to remember that it still is a symptom of a deeper problem so I really wish I would have known this at the time and not just thought that histamine intolerance which is another food compound similar to salicylates I felt like that was the answer to all of my problems and I for a while just stopped investigating why that was happening and I just accepted my fate and I was like okay this is me I'll just be low histamine forever and then i restricting my diet had some improvement but then i didn't have full improvement so i just kept going i was just so hyper focused on the food for so long that i then went to nightshade vegetables and salicylates and oxalates and i just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and the more that i cut and restricted the harder it was for me to heal and i was not getting better i think it's helpful sometimes to reduce or avoid the food if you're really reactive so if you have a salicylate rich food an example of that is coconut oil or olive oil berries anything brightly colored they typically tend to have salicylates in there and some of the symptoms that you might get is coughing wheezing was one for me facial flushing redness some people have um like joint pain headaches And it can cross over to histamine intolerance or some of those people can react to salicylates too. But I really don't think it's something to dive deeper into unless it really makes a difference for you to reduce those foods. And at the same time, you're working on the root cause of the salicylate intolerance, which often comes back to a liver detoxification issue. For me, the mold toxicity was the biggest driver. Just to get a little bit science-y, the mold toxins were blocking... Um, pathways in my liver that also detoxify salicylates and histamines so i could reduce them but until i dealt with the mold that pathway was still blocked so as soon as i add them back in after a break it would still be the same problem so i actually needed to deal with the the mold first and the liver detox issues gut health plays into it just general dysbiosis um nutrient deficiencies things like mineral deficiencies do play a role as well like they do with all food sensitivities because you need nutrients and minerals to break down and process these food compounds so i hope that helps and gives you some direction and you can yeah be mindful of the foods and not overdo it and maybe eat a little bit lower salicylates if that's definitely the cause but please work on the root root cause simultaneously and have in mind the idea to bring back those foods Don't start associating those foods with negative symptoms and inflammation and I'm allergic to this food or I can never eat that food again because that's very problematic for the brain. You want to reframe it as right now I'm not eating a ton of these X foods because it's not working well for my body at the moment and I'm excited to introduce it again in the future. You can see how that's so much more supportive and you're so much more likely to be able to introduce it back in in the future when you say it in that way instead of that food is bad that food is dangerous that food causes problems even when you heal the root cause if if you've created that pathway in your brain that's why it's going to be so difficult for you to bring it back in in the future and some of those foods are very healthy very nutrient dense so that's why i'm saying try not to cut them out if you don't have to and just see how you get on supporting your detoxification and your inflammation levels in the meantime so it could be that you can keep the food the same you're just supporting the detoxification better next question is um someone asked two questions so she said healing the gut and the liver or your healing journey from beginning to current so i feel like that i feel like i can answer the healing gut and liver question within my health journey and i have done specific episodes on this on the podcast before but just to say it in a pretty speedy way, otherwise we could be here all day, is that I didn't think that I had a ton of health issues until I hit about age 17, age 18. And looking back now, I did have little things. I had a lot of car sickness, travel sickness, nosebleeds. Um, they're called ice pick pains. So me and my brother would have the same thing where we would call it lava. So we'd get this sharp cracking pain in the head. And then it would feel like this rush of blood um, going through my head. So we called it lava, like a a volcanic eruption. And we would laugh at it, but now I know it's an ice pick pain. Someone can have it somewhere else, like in the arm, in the stomach. And it's quite painful. Now I know that that's coming from mold toxicity a lot of the time. So I've been living in that house since I was four years old. And when I was about 17, 18, I started to get drawn in by diet culture and body image stuff i thought i was overweight i wasn't and i started to go into the gym over exercising under eating um lost my period because i lost too much weight and wasn't eating enough developed cystic acne um developed her loss ended up going on the pill because i was diagnosed with pcos the pill made everything worse the first pill especially that i went on so that only lasted two weeks then i went to a different pill stayed on that for two years it helped get my bleed back that wasn't a real period now I know but I was bleeding again my skin kind of cleared up not fully my hair loss stopped shedding but it never grew back and then I stayed on that pill for two years and started to develop other symptoms like more random symptoms like the food sensitivities um I started to get headaches um I think I had thrush one time. I've never had that before. I started to get bloating. And then when I was 19, I went working in America for the summer. So I did Camp America and worked in Pennsylvania for the summer. So for about nine weeks, I was out there. In that time, I was away from my home. So I think I was starting to detox the mold, but I was stressing my body in so many other ways. Um, I was was working so hard. So we were up at like 6 a.m., sometimes didn't finish till midnight in the scorching summer heat in the north northeast of America and I was just working out all day every day as a yoga and pilates a, a pilates yoga and aerobics instructor and yeah sleep quality was bad in that trip I had really bad food poisoning a few times and I I um, contracted Lyme disease from somewhere a tick bite or an insect bite don't actually know where but I've since tested and it showed Lyme and co-infections uh, which also complicated the journey. So when I came back from that trip nothing was the same. I couldn't even drink water without being bloated. I was so starved of nutrients because of the crappy foods that I was eating at the camp like pizza and I was trying to still eat healthy and like diets kind of but I would just eat like bowls and bowls of oatmeal and just like plain chicken and salads. Um, definitely not enough to sustain me. So when I came home, I was re-exposed to the mold again, and it had been a really hot summer. There had been a, another leak at the home around that time, and that's when I started to look deeper into actual nu- like nutritional healing and a proper diet and a proper healthy lifestyle. I went to see a nutritionist. She helped me do a lot of testing. She helped me to see that I had parasites. We saw that my thyroid was off and she taught me about the the side effects of the pill so I decided with her help to come off came off the pill didn't have a period for two years in that time really struggled with trying to heal my gut I was just pounding the antimicrobials trying to kill SIBO and kill parasites I did some regular antibiotics and then I also did a lot of herbal things I was doing really just insane like doses and i wasn't taking any binders so i was wondering why i had such severe detox reactions but i just pushed through kept going had really like bad side effects from certain things i'd pass out i'd have seizures um, migraines my skin was terrible that went on for years and years and years and a lot of things because when i was 19 i started studying myself so the year another just after i came back from america and i started working with this other practitioner I got so inspired and I just knew that I wanted to study this it hadn't crossed my mind before that this was even a career path so I started studying studied for three years at CNM the College of Naturopathic Medicine and with what I was learning there and this true like healing information and how the gut affects the mood and the skin and how to support the liver and all of that I did get a lot of improvements Um, and being off the pill allowed my body to regulate a bit more as well and I wasn't suppressing my hormones anymore but that was a real struggle from age 19 to about 25 I'd say um, just horrible fatigue and some things would be better but some things would be a lot worse my weight fluctuated a ton I went really underweight at one point because I wasn't absorbing my food and then my weight swung the other way and I couldn't lose weight I was 40 pounds overweight and then it wasn't until 2019 that I figured out that I was dealing with mold so for years and years, I just had no idea. I thought I was just not healing my gut enough or I needed to like just keep supporting my thyroid, but nothing was working. And then, yeah, tested for mold, moved in 2020, shared a little bit before about that whole experience, but I'd say that's when my healing fully started is when I reduced that toxic load and I allowed my body body to be in this healthier environment. All of the things I was doing then were able to to switch on. So then when I do liver and gut supporting protocols, it would actually work and it would actually make me feel better because I had, with both of these things and to answer this person's question, you need to figure out why the gut and the liver are imbalanced in the first place. So what's going into the liver that is clogging it up and blocking it? Same with the gut. Why is the gut so stressed? and isn't digesting food properly is it that you are stressed psychologically emotionally spiritually is it that you are holding on to something or to someone and you need to release and let go and that's going to help you to detox physically is it that you're eating something you're eating gluten or you're still eating processed foods you're still eating a lot of um raw vegetables and salads and really difficult hard to digest foods because you think being plant-based is good for your gut when truth bomb, it's not. It's actually the good quality animal proteins that are going to help you to heal. Then when you figured that out, and there's going to be more than one thing, that's when you can go in with the tools to support that. So you want to fix the root causes and then you can use products to support the liver like Tudka, like choline, like phosphatidylcholine, um, like dandelion, these amazing um, the colagogs. help the bile flow and for the gut you can use spore-based probiotics and you can use antimicrobials and you might want to do a parasite cleanse or a just a gut healing plan to reduce those infections and overgrowths if that's your problem. So I did those things and that's how I healed my gut and my liver there was definitely an emotional connection as well with all of this I had a lot of I'd say like medical trauma and health trauma from what I've been through for all of those years feeling. Very unsupported and very angry from the medical system. Like my family was was supportive, but the medical system in particular, I was like gaslit. I was uh, just had such a bad experience with all of those like appointments that I went to. and would always come away in tears, angry, feeling like I was taking a step back. So uh, yeah, that's my healing journey. And for the past three years since moving, and I've moved again since. Uh, my health is 90, 95% better, still dealing with some lingering immune stuff because of what I went through and how long it was going on for. But I am adamant that I will resolve that as well. But health is also a journey, it's not a destination. So I probably always gonna be working on something and uh, keeping keeping myself healthy. It's not like it just stops now that my skin's cleared up and my hair stopped falling out in in clumps but um yeah I'm doing so much better so that was my healing journey next question is how to keep your hormones in check when life is crazy busy she is in a doctor's program and she has PCOS same things as I mentioned before so I hope you've listened to the previous recommendations and it's given you a bit more inspiration but for you I would say get back to basics I feel like stress management would be the best and most supportive tool for this person because it sounds like she has a lot going on. And even just making the simple reframe in your mind that instead of saying how stressed you are, see it as like a challenge or just a, a phase or a period in your life. It's not going to be forever. And once you have graduated, you've qualified, hopefully life calms down a little bit more but you just have to do what you can right now because if you're also beating yourself up at the same time as being busy and having some stuff on your plate it's just gonna add to the problem so instead of like shooting yourself again in the foot when you're already stressed why not support yourself and reframe it do what you can fit little things in throughout the day a few moments every every hour or so just to check in with your body your breath change your posture relax your muscles give yourself an affirmation in your head like everything's okay i've got this i can do this i'm safe those are some really good ones for women in particular and do some deep breaths that's one of the best ways to calm your nervous system so just checking in making sure that you're not grinding your teeth clenching your jaw holding your breath you can do a power posture so literally like standing with your hands on your hips you can do this in the bathroom of your your um like your school And that can help to improve your cortisol balance and boost your hormones and balance things out. And then when you get home from work or when you can, can you spend some time outside or doing some things that you love and that relax you? Because maybe for you it's a yoga class or journaling or writing songs or listening to music, um, doing some deep breaths, getting your feet in the ground, going for a walk before or after you finish work, just doing what you can with your nutrition as well so can you have more like pre-prepared not pre-prepared like meal prep so you can on a sunday when you've got some time can you cook so that you've got some ingredients in the fridge just to throw together for your meals or you can freeze things you can batch cook you can get these like really good meals now like delivery services can you order your groceries online instead of having to also go to the store to get them can you once a month check in on your supplements and make like do an order have it written in your calendar as a reminder just so you don't run out of them and you've got them ready to go can you just try and have some sort of morning and evening routine where you spend minimum five minutes first thing and before bed just to really center yourself again prepare or end your day in a good way not on a negative note like Oh my god, what have we got to do today? Or what do I have to do tomorrow? Or that was a really terrible day. Can you do some gratitude and instead think of something positive that happened or something that you're looking forward to that day? So I think organization, mindset shifts, stress management incorporating that in, um, and nature would be my top advice for you. And then I think very last question for today is can't it's not really a long question but can't digest fats any tips i know we only get like a small amount of room on the question box so i feel like i I understand this question i have the same problem this is usually an issue with your liver gallbladder bile area that whole biliary system as it's called and digestive issues obviously so your your liver gallbladder and bile flow is part of your gastrointestinal system um, people who also struggle with SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, or fungal overgrowth, parasites, low stomach acid, can also have issues digesting fats. So, you can take digestive enzymes, specifically ones that have ingredients like lipase in there, or it'll say like this supports fat, like fat digesting enzyme, but lipase is the most common one. So, it's an enzyme that breaks down lipids. You can also support your liver, your gallbladder, your bile. It depends on where you're at in your journey. So I'm just going to like give you a few things to investigate, but it's always best to work with a practitioner who knows you and your your situation if possible. But I really benefited from compounds like tudca choline, phosphatidylcholine again, and bitters. So you can take digestive bitters too. That's going to kind of help with digestive enzymes as a whole, but specifically fats, because it's targeting the liver and gallbladder or just eat more bitter foods in general, you can just search what they are, but things like rocket or arugula, if you're from the US, things like a strong dandelion tea before each meal can help, things like a shot of apple cider vinegar in water, or lemon water can help with um, stimulating your liver. And you might want to back off a little bit if you're eating a very fat heavy diet and especially a diet that's got a lot of polyunsaturated fats in there or these omega-6 rich oils um like canola oil sunflower soybean if you've recently been eating them or you've, you've still got some of them in your diet they take a while to get out, the, out of the system it could be that you're just your body's a bit overwhelmed with all of the, the fats and the bad types of fats, so you might need to reduce your fat intake slightly As if you're doing keto or carnivore and adding coconut oil and olive oil and ghee and butter to everything it could just be that you're eating too much so just back off you do want to consume some fats in your diet because it's so helpful for your hormones and everything but some people are just overdoing it when they're in the health world so you can support your enzymes the mindful eating is a big one too so you want to make sure that you're eating in a relaxed state you want to make sure that you are having a good posture again to help with the digestion, you're slowing down, you're taking some deep breaths, your mindset is in the right place, so when you go into that meal, don't be freaking out that you are going to react, because you probably will, so you can say things like, my body knows how to digest this meal, my body accepts this food, my body loves this food, my digestion is strong, I can handle this, you can think of the benefits that it's going to give you, so this amazing piece of beef is going to help with my hormones it's going to give me the b vitamins and the proteins in order to heal because i understand when you've got these food reactions and digestive issues that you can start to develop worries and fears before eating and that's the last thing that we want because that's how we make a lot of our enzymes is from the mental side of things it's called the cephalic response when we see when we smell when we feel the food uh, when we look at the food we produce a lot of our digestive enzymes in that moment. And you might like if those things still don't work, or you feel like you're reliant on the digestive enzymes and the bitter foods, and as soon as you stop doing them, it comes back. It could be that you need to look look a little bit deeper. And um, there's things like oestrogen dominance that can make your bile very thick, sludgy. And bile is what helps you to absorb the fats. It's like the detergent that emulsifies the fat and then allows you to absorb. So it could be that you look deeper into estrogen dominance or low progesterone levels. It could be that you have an issue with your thyroid and it could be that you need to work more on these um, infections in the gut or these imbalances in the liver. These toxins, things like mold, again, can affect the liver, um, clog up the liver. They can make the bile very um, very stagnant. So it can be called biliary stasis. So it really stops the flow of Of bile so you can see you can do all of the 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 liver enzymes and flushes in the world but if the ultimate like problem hasn't been resolved then you're not going to get long-term results okay i feel like my voice is starting to go so i'm going to leave you with that question we've got through all of them anyway so thank you for submitting them if you love this style of episode please let me know and i would definitely be up for doing more in the future we have so many amazing episodes upcoming for the rest of the year and then there will be a little bit of a break over Christmas and then we'll be back in January for another season so thank you for tuning into the Hormones in Harmony podcast I hope you enjoyed this I would love for you to share any takeaways any wins share a screenshot of you listening to the episode I always love to see that and yeah I'll see you back here next week for another one I really hope you enjoyed this episode If you did, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app, as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information. Come and say hi over on Instagram. I'm at Viva Natural Health. And if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk, for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one consultation packages. If you want my top level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.